Hello, hi, Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. Uh, the passage we are covering today just happens to be the passage that, Dave, that you spoke about yesterday. These things don't always quite line up, uh, and so be really interested to hear if there was uh, things that you wanted to clarify, things you wanted to add, maybe uh, add some nuance. So we are in Luke chapter 8, where we read this. On the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, a leader, the leader of the synagogue. He told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith and she will be healed. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned, and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The way I've typically uh, been really moved by this passage is just Jesus's availability, Uh I mean, Jesus' ministry is full of interruptions. Probably, you know, a third to half of the interactions he has are actually interruptions. And here we have, not only is it an interruption, but it's an interruption of an interruption. Jairus interrupts him on his course, and then this woman interrupts the uh, while he's heading to Jairus' house. But the direction you took it this time was really to focus on the woman and the way that she was intent on touching Jesus in a way that no one else in the crowd was. They were there to see sights, to see the miracles, see the show, maybe get a healing. But she understood in a way that they didn't. She understood who Jesus was. This whole prophecy about the Messiah coming with healing in his wings and his kanaf, like the corners of his robes. And so she touches Jesus with a touch of faith. And almost reflexively, well, actually, it seems reflexively, Jesus said, I felt power go out of me. Not I decided to heal somebody, but I felt the power go out of me. And it's, it's as if her faith created this automatic conduit for his healing power to heal her. And he even says at the end, your, your faith has saved you. Your faith has healed you. Uh, and so 
everyone was, you know, crowding around Jesus, but only one, only one person truly touched him in a way that was meaningful. And, and, and she in return was, was touched by G the power of Jesus in a way that was healing. Um, and as I was thinking about this in my own life, I was thinking about a time in my life where uh, I really, I mean, my conversion experience was was very emotional. And I, I've talked about that before, and it was emotional for quite an extended period of time. But eventually things settled down and my faith became something that was more managed and steady. And it was really focused a, a lot around just getting more and more knowledge. And there's nothing wrong with knowledge. I think knowledge is a good thing. Obviously, we're here hopefully to get some knowledge. But the type of knowledge I was going for more and more was just you know, for lack of a better phrase, head knowledge. It wasn't really something that impacted my heart so much. And I began to learn uh, how important it was not only to know about Jesus, but to know Jesus in a deeper and deeper way. And uh, one illustration that was used that really helped me in this is like, you know, you look at your driver's license and, and all the information there, that's what's used to identify who you are. It says who you are. But in another sense, it really says nothing about who you are. This is how the state would identify you. But if you talk to a close friend or a mother or father or brother or sister or, or lover, whatever it is, and you ask them to describe the person described in the driver's license, probably none of the things mentioned on the driver's license would come up in that conversation. Those are just like secondary details. They'd be talking much more about things that you did, interactions that you had, your character, all kinds of things that would never go on that sheet on that driver's license. And so what I realized is that I was focusing in so many ways with God, I was focusing on the things that would go on a driver's license, but not on the things that would go into a relationship. And so it, it, this passage has become much more meaningful to me in this way as a reminder, a constant encouragement that it's not about just knowing about God, but to know God in the in an intimate way, in a relational way, so that uh, there is a real relationship there. God desires to know me in that way. God does know me in that way. But it's a question of, am I willing to open myself up and be known uh, and know God that way and be known by God in that kind of intimate way? So anyway, that was a really encouraging message. I encourage people to, uh, to watch it. I'll link it in the description. But Dave, I'm wondering if you had anything you wanted else you wanted to say about the message or or whatever else, maybe even conversations that happened afterwards. Well, you know, I, I do have a couple of thoughts. The you know, things that I, I um, would love to have been able to incorporate. There's just there's so much you have to cut out whenever you're doing these kind of things. I do love this passage. I love this story. Um, and I'm not going to recapitulate the sermon because I, you know, I put it all in there. And so, uh, uh, but I just, I will say that it was a really fun kind of be able to, to share all of this stuff. Um, you know, you and I, John, are, we're, we're very similar in certain ways, but very different in others. And one of the ways that you and I are very different um, uh, shows up in, in movies, right? So, like, you know every detail of every Star Wars movie. I have no clue. Uh, and so I will sometimes if my kids invite me to watch a movie like that or a Marvel movie or whatever, uh, I, I haven't seen the one, the prequels and the sequels. I can't figure out what the order is. I couldn't care less. I don't know any of the backstories of any of the characters. I couldn't care less. You see the exact same movie that I saw, but because you're able to bring so much more storyline to it, you understand the message of the movie in a really different way. I see it in a kind of a superficial and still hopefully fairly entertaining way. It hopefully has a good plot narrative, you know, uh, whereas you understand how this impacts all these things going back and all these things going forward. 
Uh, I think sometimes I feel that way, and I'm watching Chosen, you know, the, this uh, this mm. uh, new uh, series about Jesus that, you know, my family watches, they really like it, but there's just, because obviously you and I study this for a living, there's no way they can bring in the, the depth of knowledge and see the connections. I just feel like the entire time I'm just, my head is like all these little neurons, you know, like boom, 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 firing, like as I'm making all these connections that I, I'm assuming most people don't see, and yet my kids got a lot out of it and they love it. And so I feel that way about this passage, that if you just read it through, it's a good passage. Uh, but if you know the backstory and you understand the context, oh my goodness, you realize this is like such a powerful passage, so good. So that's what I was trying to bring out in the sermon. And I, I hope, you know, at least I moved a little bit towards that. Uh, two things I didn't bring up, uh, one of which was actually uh, made much more clear to me. I, I'm so glad I, in a sense, didn't bring this one up. Because I feel like somebody shared with me afterwards something that was made it even a better illustration than I could have had. Um, the uh, she was talking about how uh, she had struggled with fibroids, and that a, a lot of people uh, have assumed that this woman with this you know bleeding for twelve years was suffering from fibroids as well, right? It's a, a pretty common uh, condition, um, and then these little masses that grow on a, a woman's uterus. Uh, they draw in tons and tons of blood, and as a result, right from the body, it weakens them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it causes then this kind of you know, a lot of bleeding as they um, are kind of then you know pushing off the blood. So anyway, uh, and she talked about how she joined a Facebook group for women with fibroids, and that someone brought up in the group that you know about this story and that this woman had fibroids, and uh, and she and she wrote this. She said, and she says, "I'm going to quote here from a, a something she wrote me." She said. It was actually a beautiful connection for many of us because wouldn't it be amazing that our condition that we usually suffer in secrecy would be specifically mentioned in the Bible and seen by God? I thought, what a beautiful story about, you know, that somebody who was experiencing being seen. And, you know, even though she was talking about it in a very specific context about people with that particular condition, I actually feel like that's exactly what this story is trying to do. Right, everybody could see Jairus. Jairus is a synagogue leader. He's popular. He's famous. He's important. What no one would expect in that culture is that Jesus would stop for a woman. Much more so that he would stop for an unclean woman. Right? That that would have been unthinkable. And so I actually think that really it's not just women with fibroids that this should be hearing. I think in that culture, women would have heard this. And been a little like amazed. And all the kinds of people who tend to be in the margins, the people who aren't seen, right? Not the, the celebrated celebrities, but the, the people who are who felt feel overlooked, which is so many people for so many different reasons. This is a story about Jesus seeing people and not just seeing them, but prioritizing, putting Jairus on hold in order to take care of this woman. To Jesus, this woman needed priority over Jairus. And I just think that is such a powerful thing about the way that God values us. It's not according to the things that the world sees, right? This is kind of an old biblical message, and yet I think it's just very poignantly true here. The other thing, and this one's a little maybe kind of less intimate, but uh, I, I just think it's interesting. So one just thing that may, most people maybe just skip past as a reading, uh, the girl, Jairus's daughter, was... 12 years old. This woman has been bleeding for 12 years. 
that's, I mean, you know, a funny coincidence. What is that? It's actually a lot more than that. In uh, kind of the ancient world, people understood three to be the number of God, right? And you think, uh, you know, Father, Son, Spirit, right? There's a lot of ways that the number three represents God. And the number four represents earth. And so you, the four corners of the earth, the four horsemen, like all of these, there's so many fours when we're describing the earth. The four rivers of Genesis, of, of, of Eden. <laughs> we could go on and on. There's so many of these. And that's why the number seven is so important, right? Because it's heaven and earth coming together. And so, so many people have thought of seven as being the lucky number or like, you know, the kind of this divine number, right? It's because seven is heaven and earth coming together. Uh, that's actually exactly the same way that 12 operates, right? So three times four is 12. And so that there's the sense that the 12 represents the number of God and earth being reconciled. And so we're going to end up seeing this all over the Bible, right? The 12 tribes that give way to the 12 disciples. Uh, in Revelation, we're going to see that there's uh, 12 gates, uh, the, 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 the uh, trees that they bear fruit 12 times every year. Right, and it's the sign of heaven and earth finally being reconciled. This is more than a story about one random woman having her suffering relieved. That's already a beautiful story. But what is actually happening in that moment is heaven and earth, the the the, the God and humanity are being reconciled. Uh, and I think there's just this beautiful sense that so often I still live in a four world, right? That feels separate from God. But no, we who are part of the kingdom, we are the anticipation. We, in our own experience with the living God, we have this experience of the 12, the reconciliation of the world, right? The, 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 the reunite, uh, reunion with God. So anyway, I think that's kind of a cool idea. I, I would love to have developed that, but nah, I only had so much space for so much nerdiness in one sermon. And it was already full with uh, all kinds of stuff for people to learn and engage with. So I'm, I'm glad you made that decision. Uh, but speaking of that, um, we're out of time now. And I'm wondering, Dave, if you'd be willing to pray for us. Yeah, let's pray together. Well, Lord, as we discussed yesterday, uh, we see this woman who had the faith to reach out and touch you and experienced your power. And so God, I pray that today, God, I pray that we would live in the God-saturated reality that you've made possible. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today, and I hope you're able to join us again tomorrow. Go in peace.